in the year of our Lord, that's the English translation for the phrase Anno Domini. Um, we often hear it when we're talking about dates, uh, abbreviated as AD. Um, so we're currently in the year of our Lord, 2021. And as we count the years backwards, we would eventually get to a time that is defined as BC, or before Christ. The history of mankind deciding to count time like this, uh, for me, is at least a little complicated. Um, But what I want for us to see is that uh, the way we count time is based upon the time before the incarnation of Christ and the time after. Um, the, the, The birth of Jesus is central to the history of the world. Uh, And for good reason, because the incarnation of Jesus is central importance to the Christian faith. Without the birth of Christ, there would be no salvation because there would be no life, no death, no resurrection of Jesus. Without the incarnation, there would be no atonement. Uh, We would be hopelessly lost in our sin and our rebellion. Thankfully, Jesus humbled himself. Um, Jesus made himself nothing. Um, Paul has just told the Philippian church that they're to be unified in one mind, and this happens as they do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Uh, They're to live a life of humility, seeing others as more significant than themselves, and looking not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, After saying these things to the church, Paul then looks at the life of Christ as an example of what he's talking about. Uh, The humility of Jesus is a perfect example of someone who lived a life of humility, while considering others as more important than themselves and considering the interests of others. So this morning, we will see that God is speaking to us uh, through the the pen of of Paul to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, the mind of Christ. Um, So we'll look at four exhortations of how to live out the mind of Christ. If you haven't already, turn to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Lord, as we uh, look at your word this morning, ask that um, we would be changed and transformed by it, um, that we'd be uh, encouraged by the life of Christ, and that we would uh, be faithful imitators of him. Um, Out of our love for you, that we would be uh, obedient to you and living a life of humility. Amen. All right, so number one, live out the mind of Christ because you have the mind of Christ if you are in Christ. Before being saved by, by Jesus, we do not have the mind of Christ. The, the minds of mankind have been darkened and filled with rebellion and sin against the Lord. Instead of having the mind of Christ, our, our minds were, were dead. Our minds were filled with ourselves. Uh, Ephesians 2 speaks of the state of our, our deadness before salvation in Christ. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. A major part of being dead in our sins has to do with who and what we're following. Um, Those who are dead in their sins are are following the devil, the the prince of the power of the air, that's what Ephesians 2 says. And and as they follow the devil, uh, they follow their own Flesh, their, their own passions, their, their own desires of the body and mind. This is what it looks like to be dead in sin, uh, to be living in uh, blatant disobedience to God, um, to be living only for the desires of self. Um, and this was true of all of us. And um, Before salvation, uh, my mind, your mind, were in outright rebellion against the Lord. Our minds were far from the Lord. We did, we did not accept the things of God. And when I, when I say that our minds were dead, that's what I mean. Our minds did not accept the things of God. We, we, we rejected the things of God. We did what was right in our own eyes. And Paul speaks of this in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. He says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. No one who has a mind that is natural, that is dead in sin, can accept the things of God. Only someone who has the mind of of Christ can accept the things of God. And and Paul says to the Corinthian church, but we have the mind of Christ. This begs the question, how is it that someone who does not have the mind of Christ can receive the mind of Christ? This comes in salvation, in the repentance of of sin and and belief in Jesus Christ. Paul clearly tells the Philippian church that this Mind is theirs in Christ Jesus. The only way we can have the mind of Christ is if we are in Christ. And to be in Christ is to be saved. 
um, to have repented of our sin and believed in Jesus Christ for salvation alone. Um, then we are made alive with Christ and are given a new mind. Um, the, the fact that we have the mind of Christ is, is important to remember as, as we live life. Uh, it's important because we are living out of who we already are. We're not trying to then gain the mind of Christ. If you are saved, you already have the mind of Christ. He says, so have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you are saved, you have the mind of Christ. So don't try to live your life in order to try to gain or achieve the mind of Christ. This is freely given to you. Because it's freely given to you, therefore, then live it out. Um, The the temptations we face, however, even as we have been made alive, um, is to conform to the pattern of of this world. Um, Resist that temptation to conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Even though we have the mind of Christ, the temptations we face in life are to go back to our old self. The temptation is to go back to living to gratify the desires of the flesh and the desires of our old mind. But because we have been made alive, we have the power and ability through the grace of God to resist that temptation and instead be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so he says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Um, Okay, so what exactly is this mind uh, that we're supposed to have in Christ? We're supposed to live this out. What does that look like? Remember, Paul has already talked about the sum in in the beginning of chapter 2. This mind that we are to have is a mind of of humility. Do nothing from selfish ambition or pride. Um, Instead, in living a a life of humility, we are to regard others as more significant than ourselves. We are to look towards the interests of of others. Uh, And Paul is about to direct our attention to the life of Jesus who perfectly lived this out. Okay, so secondly, live out the mind of Christ by, by living humbly. Live out the mind of Christ by living humbly. Paul says that Jesus was in the form of God. Um, this has to do with, with equality with God. Uh, Jesus is, is equal with God because he is God. Uh, and this is the, the miracle of the incarnation. God became man. And it's incredible. It keeps going. Uh, it says, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we're getting a picture of who Jesus uh, is. Uh, the truth about, uh, that we find about Jesus here, it, it's emphasizing the great humility of Christ that we are to follow in. It's important to think through these verses carefully. Uh, There can be 
grave errors about the person of, of Christ that can be made here. Um, so at, at the beginning of verse 7, you may see something like, but made himself nothing or emptied himself. Um, so we need to think about this carefully so that we do not diminish who Jesus is. Um, there, there's some who interpret this passage, the fact that Jesus made himself nothing or emptied himself, they interpret that to mean that Jesus uh, laid aside some of his godly attributes as he took on humanity. Um, And by laid aside, they mean that Jesus did not have those godly attributes. That's wrong. Uh, If Jesus laid aside his divine attributes, Jesus would no longer be fully or truly God. He would be something less than God. Um, But we know that Jesus is truly God. In fact, Colossians 2.9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Uh, The him there is is Jesus. In Jesus, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Uh, Jesus did not relieve himself of any of his godly attributes. Otherwise, the fullness of God would not be dwelling in him. We also know that Jesus is truly man. Uh, This is the incredible truth of the incarnation, that that God himself would become a man. Uh, The beginning of the Gospel of John starts like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see this, there's a distinction between the Word and God, and we also see that the Word is in fact God, And the word is Christ, so we're seeing a distinct personhood of of Jesus, and we also see that Jesus is God. And then in verse 14, we read, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, who is God, became flesh, truly human. R.C. Sproul has, has a helpful quote here as we think about uh, the human and divine nature of, of Christ. Here, here's what Sproul says. This is not that God changes, metamorphoses into a man so that the divine nature passes out of existence or comes into a new form of fleshiness. No, the incarnation is not so much a subtraction as it is an addition, where the eternal second person of the Trinity takes upon himself a human nature and joins his divine nature to that human nature for the purpose of redemption. In the 19th century, some liberal scholars propounded a doctrine called the canonic theory of the incarnation. You may have heard it, the idea being that Jesus came to this earth, he laid aside his divine attributes so that the so that the God-man, at least touching his deity, no longer had the divine attributes of omniscience and omnipotence and all the rest. But of course, that would totally deny the very nature of God, who is immutable. Even in the incarnation, the divine nature does not lose his divine attributes. He does not communicate them to the human side. He does not deify the human nature. But in the mystery of the union between the divine and the human natures of Jesus, The human nature is truly human. It's not omniscient. It's not omnipotent. It's none of those things. But at the same time, the divine nature remains fully and completely divine. What is emptied is glory, privilege, exaltation. 
Jesus, in the incarnation, makes himself of no reputation. He allows his own divine exalted standing to be subjected to human hostility, human criticism, and denial. I think that's a helpful uh, thinking through the divine and human nature of Christ. Helpful quote from Sproul. Um, so there's a lot to think about here in terms of the person of Christ. Um, so this is what we affirm, that Jesus, truly God, truly man. Um, if Jesus did not have the fullness of God dwelling in him bodily, then that takes away from the grand truth of the crucifixion, which is where God died for the redemption of man. Uh, if Jesus is less than God, that, that takes away from the cross. Um, we must not deny the deity of Christ, and we must affirm the humanity of Christ, because we need a perfect human to fulfill the law on our behalf. Jesus completes this work as truly God and truly man. So even though there's a lot here about the person of Christ, we need to make sure that we don't miss the point of, of the passage. The point of the passage is, is to see the humility of Jesus. That, and that is the mind that we are to have as we live life. Paul says that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Uh, the text is it's plain. Um, as some people have tried to interpret this passage and thinking about the person of Christ, it, they, they forget to look at what the text plainly says. Uh, the text says nothing about Jesus laying aside any godly attributes or becoming something less than God, Paul tells us exactly what he means by the fact that Jesus emptied himself or made himself nothing. Paul is talking about the fact that Jesus became man, and not only that, but a servant, and was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is how Jesus emptied himself. This connects us back to uh, not doing anything from rivalry, selfish ambition, or, or pride, or conceit. There is no selfish ambition found in Christ. There is no pride found in Christ. There's incredible humility um, in Christ. That God himself would add humanity to himself and come as a servant to, to die a, a humiliating death. Um, and all of this because... Jesus was concerned about you. Even though Jesus is God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Again, this is a picture of the humility of Christ. Jesus did not need to grasp equality with God because he already had equality with God. He is God. And yet, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. But we're different. We're not God, and yet we try to grasp equality with God. This is what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They attempted to grasp at having equality with God. Um, this is what we do when, when we sin. Uh, we're grasping at equality with God in pride, saying that we're in control of our life and that we know what is truly good and what is truly evil. Um, this is our pride at work. This is our selfish ambition at work, grasping 
at equality with God. But Jesus, who is God, did not need to grasp at equality with God because he already had it, and yet he humbled himself. It's it's amazing. Um, Be careful of thinking that you're something great. Um, Jesus, who is great, made himself to be a servant. Um, Jesus humbled himself. He, he is great. Um, in our, in, and in our sin, we do the opposite of Jesus. Um, we're not God, but we act like we are. Uh, we are not something great, but we lord ourselves over people rather than serve. We can think that we're better than others. We can think that we, that we know it all. Um, this, is, this is our pride. This is our selfish ambition at, at work in our hearts. Um, and it leads to a fall. First uh, Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Um, we must all repent of our pride. Um, have this mind among yourselves. A mind of humility, like Christ. Jesus counted others as more significant than himself and looked towards our interests. And the way he did this is in offering himself to be a sacrifice for our sins. The wages of sin is death. And our debt of death needed to be paid. And either we were going to pay it, or someone else needed to pay it for us. And if someone else paid it, They couldn't have needed to pay it for themselves. This is why we need Jesus, the the perfect God-man, to die on our behalf. Um, Jesus pays our debt in his obedience to the point of of death, which brings us to the third point. Live out the mind of Christ by being obedient to God. Live out the mind of Christ by being obedient to God. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. It says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The humility here comes in a variety of of different ways. Jesus being found in in human form, the humility of the creator entering into his creation, um, found in human form. And he, he humbles himself further by becoming obedient to the point of death, Who was it that Jesus was obedient to there? Uh, Jesus is willingly submitting himself to the will of God the Father. Uh, Jesus plainly again states this truth in John 6.38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. So Jesus willingly lives his life in submission to the Father and does the will of, of God the Father. And the submission isn't uh, begrudging, uh, but Jesus finds satisfaction in it. Uh, John four thirty four, uh, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And this work was to live a a perfect, sinless life, to die in the place of of sinners, um, 
not to die just any death, but to be put to death on the cross. The most gruesome, most humiliating death that the, there was. Uh, and this is, this is another level of the humility of, of Christ. Uh, not only has he taken on flesh, not only has he willingly submitted himself uh, to obedience to God the Father, not only has he willingly died in the place of, of sinners who, who didn't deserve it, but he also died on, on the cross, a shameful and painful death. And this death of, of Christ ultimately brings about life for those who repent and, and believe. Um, have the mind of Christ, having the mind of Christ is to have a mind that is obedient to the Lord. Um, to have a mind that uh, not only agrees with what God commands, but also lives it out. Um, uh, it's possible to give lip service to God um, what we say, but then deny God's commands with how we live. Um, we do not know better than God. It is God who created all of life. Uh, he's the one who knows how all things work. Uh, he's the one who knows what is truly good and, and truly evil. Um, in order to be obedient to God, we need to know what he says. This means we need to be reading and hearing the, the word of God. Um, how would we think and know uh, not to do anything from selfish ambition or pride if, if Scripture didn't tell us? Uh, how would we know to look at the example of Jesus if we weren't told in, in Scripture and didn't? How, how are we to see the life of Christ if we're not reading Scripture? We're to look at the example of, of Christ and see how he submitted himself to the Father, even though he's equal to him. Um, now, look at yourself. Um, you are not equal with God. I am not equal with God. Um, how much more should we submit to God? Uh, submit yourself to God by, by repenting of sin, believing in, in Jesus, living a life of obedience out of love, for the one who willingly died in your place. The call to live obediently is not a call to gain favor, to gain the favor of God. We cannot gain God's approval with our own work. If you believe in Jesus, you already have the approval of God just as you already have the mind of Christ. Because you have the approval of God, live in a way that God approves of, out of love and out of thankfulness, out of being grateful for all that he's done. Uh, live obediently out of an overflow of your love for the Lord. Um, we are a people, mankind as, as a whole, who chose to be disobedient, that ultimately brings death. Praise be to God that Jesus chose obedience. Uh, and his obedience brings about life. Um, and this life can be yours through repentance and faith in Christ. Um, are you living a life of, of humble obedience to God? Um, take a moment to, to think about that question. Are you living a life of humble obedience to God? Um, if you are a Christian... 
I would hope that your answer would be uh, something like this. Yes and no. <laughs> uh, if you're a Christian, you should have the fruit of repentance and uh, godliness that comes along with your confession of faith. Um, there should be some level of, of humble obedience to God in your life. Um, and as this humility grows in you, the effect of that humility will be that you become more and more aware of where, of where you fall short. Um, you, you'll be more aware of where you're not living in, in humble obedience. Um, a humble person is very aware of their, their shortcomings and, and failures and uh, is continually living a life of repentance as they go before the Lord and their, their sin is ever before them. So are there areas in your life where you have been living out selfish ambition and, and pride? Um, um, if you think about your life, your, your, your family, your, your marriage, your work, um, are there areas of your life where you're living out selfish ambition and, and pride? Um, we've, we've all failed at this. Uh, we've fallen desperately short of, of living a humble life before the Lord. So what's left? Uh, what comes next? We've, we've been failures at this. Um, we, don't, we don't measure up to the humility of, of Christ. Um, so this brings us to, to our final point. That's this. Bow your knees and confess with your tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, bow your knees and confess with your tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, verse 9 states, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father has exalted Christ because of his work in salvation, because of the fact that Jesus humbled himself and, and did the will of the Father. We see that Jesus is truly God and, and truly man who lovingly sacrificed himself. Um, Jesus has the name that is above every name, and uh, he, he has been raised to life, and he will be worshipped. Um, every knee will eventually bow. Every tongue will eventually confess the lordship of, of Christ. Um, my, my exhortation to you uh, today, my encouragement to you today is to bow now and confess that Jesus is Lord today. Um, come before the Lord brokenhearted in, in your sin. Confess your sin. And believe in Jesus Christ. Your sins will be forgiven of you. You will be given eternal life in Christ. Um, Jesus is worthy of all your worship, all of your praise. He's worthy of your obedience as you love him for what he has done for you. Um, every person who is, who's ever lived, even if they never confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, will eventually bend their knee and, and confess. But we have been given the opportunity today to bend our knees now and confess now in order that you would be saved. 
in order that we would have eternal life with Christ rather than eternal death away from him. Um, Those who do not repent and believe will eventually bow their knees and confess with their tongues, but their confession will be be too late. Uh, They have a wage to be paid, and that wage is death. Do you see the incredible love of, of God in this? Um, all of us deserve this, this eternal death. Um, but Jesus, truly God, truly man, humbled himself to the point of death on the cross in order that this penalty that sinners needed to be, have paid, that you and I needed to have paid, Jesus paid that penalty for you. That's the love of God. God is not cruel. He's loving. He's caring. He's provided every opportunity for for repentance. So repent and believe today. You'll find salvation. You'll find rest for your soul. Um, If you are a Christian, um, if you've already repented and believed, um, you and I are, are called to live out the mind of Christ a mind of, of humility. And, and we already have this mind because of the salvation that we've received uh, from Jesus. And even still, we, we fight a war with our fleshly desires. Uh, we can still sometimes think that equality with God is something to be grasped. Um, and maybe in your own mind, we don't even necessarily think it like that, but in our words and our actions and our sin, that is what we're doing. And we need to repent of this. Um, you and I are not God. And instead, live, live humbly before the Lord. And be a servant to others rather than lording yourself over others. Um, be obedient to the point of death. The, the call of the disciple of Christ is to daily pick up your cross, die to self, and follow Christ. And, and as we do this, we'll, we'll follow an example of Christ who perfectly lived out a humble life in our place. And because of the life and death of Christ, even though we fail, <laughs> we fail to live a humble life, we, we have been given the perfect righteousness of, of Jesus to be as, as our own. Um, the, the perfect and righteous life of Christ has been applied to you if you have repented and believed. This amazing love of God. Um, let, let's continue to to praise him and give thanks to him for for who he is and all he's done for us. Let's pray. Lord, we we stand amazed at you. Um, uh, It's hard to have words to even describe uh, the blessings that you've offered to us in in salvation. We, We were people who were dead in our sin and in rebellion against you. Um, We we deserve uh, this eternal death, this eternal punishment. Lord, we thank you for the fact that that Jesus Christ, truly God, truly man, bore our sin on the cross, um, rose again from the grave so that those who repent and and believe in him would have their sins washed away. 
would have the righteousness of Christ applied to them so that now those who repent and believe are made alive. They're blameless in your sight and have eternal life. Lord, we thank you for this amazing gift of, of salvation, Lord. Help us to live humble lives as we consider your love, that we would uh, be living our life not trying to, to gain your love, not trying to gain your approval, uh, but knowing that Christ has already gained that for us as we rest in, in the life of, of Christ. Amen.